Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 7 and 8. Now, in the previous episode, we read chapters 5 and 6, and Percy finally agreed to Nico's mysterious plan, although we don't know what what the plan is. And so, we'll have to see what the plan is and how what uh what Percy and Nico will be doing to get to the underworld. And yeah, and how they will prevent uh, and stop Typhon. So now we'll read chapter 7 and 8. Chapter 7. My mad teacher gives me a lift. We emerged in Central Park just north of the pond. Mrs. O'Leary looked pretty tired as she limped over to a cluster of boulders. She started sniffing around and I was afraid she might mark her territory, but Nico said, It's okay, she just smells the way home. I frowned. Through the rocks? The underworld has two major entrances, Nico said. You know the one in LA, Karen's Ferry. Nico nodded. Most souls go that way, but there's a smaller path, harder to find. The door or a door of Orpheus. The dude with the harp. Dude with the lyre. Nico corrected. But yeah, him. He used his music to charm the earth and open a new path in the underworld. He sang his way right into Hades' palace and almost got away with his wife's soul. I remember the story. Orpheus wasn't supposed to look behind him when he was leading his wife back to the world, but of course he did. It was one of those typical and-so-they-died-the-end stories that always made us demigods feel warm and fuzzy. So this is the door of Orpheus. I try to be impressed, but it it still looked like a pile of rocks to me. How does it open? We need music, Nico said. How's your singing? Um, no. Can't you just, like, tell it to open? You're the son of Hades and all. It's not easy, so easy. We need music. I was pretty sure if I tried to sing, and I would cause, I would, all I would cause was an avalanche. I have a better idea. I turned and called. Grover! We waited for a long time. Mrs. O'Leary curled up and took a nap. I could hear the crickets in the woods and an owl hooting. Traffic hummed along Central Park West. Horses and horse hooves clopped down a nearby path. Maybe a mounted police patrol. I was sure they'd love to find two kids hanging out in the park at one in the morning. It's no good, Nico said at last, but I had a feeling. My empathy link was really tingling for the first time in months, which either meant a whole lot of people had suddenly switched on the Nature Channel, or Grover was close. I shut my eyes and concentrated. Grover. I knew he was somewhere in the park. Why couldn't I sense his emotions? All I got was a faint hum in the base of my skull. Grover, I thought more insistently. Hmm, hmm, something said. An image came to my head. I saw a giant elm tree deep in the woods, well off the main path. Gnarled roots laced the ground, making a kind of bed. Lying in it with his arms crossed and his eyes closed was a satyr. At first, I couldn't be sure it was Grover. He was covered in twigs and leaves, like he'd been sleeping there a long time. The roots seemed to to be shaping themselves around him, slowly pulling him into the earth. Grover, I said, wake up. Dude, you're covered in dirt, wake up. Sleepy, his mind murmured. Food, I suggested, pancakes. His eyes shot open. A blur of thoughts filled my head like he was suddenly on fast forward. The image shattered and I almost fell over. What happened? Nico asked. I got through. He's, yeah, he's on his way. A minute later, the tree next to us shivered. Grover fell out of the branches, right on his head. Grover, I yelled. 
Mrs. O'Leary looked up, probably wondering if we were going to play fetch with the satyr. Blah! Grover bleated. You okay, man? Oh, I'm fine. He rubbed his head. His horns had grown so much they poked an inch above his curly hair. I was at the other, other end of the park. The dryads had this great idea of passing me through the trees to get me here. They don't understand height very well. He grinned and got to his feet. Well, his hooves, actually. Since last summer, Grover had tried to stop trying to disguise himself as human. He never wore a cap or fake feet anymore. He didn't even wear jeans since he had furry goat legs from the waist down. His t-shirt had a picture from that book, Where the Wild Things Are. It was covered with dirt and tree sap. His goatee looked fuller, almost manly or goatly. And he was all uh, he was as tall as me now. Good to see you, G-Man, I said. You remember Nico? Grover nodded at Nico. Then he gave me a big hug. He smelled like fresh mown lawns. Percy, he bleated. I missed you. I miss camp. They don't serve very good enchiladas in the wilderness. I was worried. I said, where have you been in the last two months? The last two... Grover's smile faded. The last two months? What are you talking about? We haven't heard from you. I said, Juniper's worried. We sent Iris messages, but... Hold on. He looked up at the stars like he was trying to calculate his position. What month is this? August. The color drained from his face. That's impossible. It's June. I just laid down to take a nap and... He grabbed my arms. I remember now. He knocked me up, Percy. We have to stop him. Whoa, I said. Slow down. Tell me what happened. He took a deep breath. I was was walking in the woods up by Harlan Mere, and I felt this tremble in the ground, like something powerful was near. You can sense stuff like that? Nico asked. Grover nodded. Since Pan's death, I can feel when something is wrong in nature. It's like my ears and eyes are sharper when I'm in the wild. Anyway, I started following the scent. This man in a long black coat was walking through the park, and I noticed he didn't cast a shadow. Middle of a sunny day, and he cast no shadow. He kind of shimmered as he moved. Like a mirage? Nico asked. Yes, Grover said, and whenever he passed humans, the humans would pass out. Nico said, curl up and go to sleep. That's right. Then after he was gone, they'd get up and go about their business like nothing happened. I stared at Nico. You know this guy in black? Afraid so, Nico said. Grover, what happened? Uh, I followed the guy. He kept looking at the, up at the buildings around the park like he was making estimates or something. This lady jogger ran by and she curled up on the sidewalk and started snoring. The guy in black put his hand on her forehead like he was checking her temperature. Then he kept walking. By, the time, by this time, I knew he was a monster or something even worse. I followed him into this grove, to the base of a big elm tree. I was about to summon some dryads to help me capture him when he turned and... Grover swallowed. Percy, his face. I couldn't make out his face because it kept shifting. Just looking at him made me sleepy. I said, what are you doing? He said, just having a look around. You should always scout a battlefield before the battle. I said something really smart like, this forest is under my protection. You won't start any battles here. And he laughed. And he he laughed. He said, you're lucky I'm saving my energy for the main event, little satyr. I'll just grant you a short nap. Pleasant dreams. And that's the last thing I remember. Nico exhaled. Grover, you met Morpheus, the god of dreams. You're lucky you ever woke up. Two months!
Grover moaned. He put me to sleep for two months. I tried to wrap my mind around what this meant. Now it made sense why we hadn't been able to contact Grover all this time. Why didn't the nymphs try to make you wake you? I asked. Grover shrugged. Most nymphs aren't good with time. Two months for a tree? That's nothing. They probably didn't think anything was wrong. We've got to figure out what Morpheus was doing in the park. I said, I don't like this main event thing he mentioned. He's working for Nico. Nico no, he's working for Kronos, Nico said. We know that already. A lot of the minor gods are. This just proves there's going to be an evasion, Percy. We have to get on with our plan. Wait, Grover said. What plan? We told him, and Grover started tugging at his leg fur. You're not serious, he said. Not the underworld again. I'm not asking you to come, man, I promised. I know you just woke up, but we need some music to open the door. Can you do it? Grover took out his reed pipes. I guess I could try. I know a few Nirvana tunes that could split rocks. But Percy, are you sure you want to do this? Please, man, I said. It would mean a lot, for old times' sake. He whimpered. As I recall, in the old times, we almost died a lot. But okay, here goes nothing. He put his pipes to his lips and played a shrill, lively tune. The boulders trembled. A few more stanzas and they cracked open, revealing a triangular crevice. I peered inside. Steps led down into the darkness. The air smelled of mildew and death. It brought back bad memories of my trip through the labyrinth last year. But this tunnel felt even more dangerous. It led straight to the land of Hades, and that was almost always a one-way trip. I turned to Grover. Thanks, I think. Percy, is Grover, is Kronos really going to invade? I wish I could tell you but better, but yeah, he will. I thought Grover might chew up his reed pipes in anxiety, but he strained up and brushed off his t-shirt. I couldn't help thinking how different he looked from fat old Linnaeus. I've got to rally the nature spirits then. Maybe we can help. Let's see if we can find this Morpheus. Better tell Juniper you're okay, too. His eyes widened. Juniper! Oh, she's going to kill me! He started to run off, then scrambled back and gave me another hug. Be careful down there. Come back alive. Once he was gone, Nico and I roused Mrs. O'Leary from her nap. When she smelled the tunnel, she got excited and led the way down the steps. It was a pretty tight fit. I hope she wouldn't get stuck. I couldn't imagine how much Drano we'd need to unstick a hellhound wedged halfway down a tunnel to the underworld. Ready? Nico asked. It'll be fine, don't worry. He sounded like he was trying to convince himself. I glanced up at the stars, wondering if I would ever see them again. Then we plunged into darkness. The stairs went on forever, narrow, steep, and slippery. It was completely dark except for the light of my sword. I tried to go slow, but Mrs. O'Leary had other ideas. She bounded ahead, barking happily. The sound echoed through the tunnel like cannon shots, and I figured we would not be catching anybody by surprise once we reached the bottom. Nico lagged behind, which I thought was strange. You okay? I asked him. Fine. What was that expression on his face? Doubt? Just keep moving, he said. I didn't have a choice. I followed Mrs. O'Leary into the depths. After another hour, I started to hear the roar of a river. We emerged at the base of a cliff, on the plain of black volcanic sand. To our right, the river sticks gushed from the rocks and roared off in a cascade of rapids. To our left, far away in the gloom, fires burned on the ramparts of Erebus, the great black walls of Hades' kingdom. 
I shuddered. I'd first been I first been here when I was twelve, and only Annabeth and Grover's company had given me the courage to keep going. Nico wasn't going to be quite as helpful with the courage thing. He looked pale and worried himself. Only Mrs. O'Leary acted happy. She ran along the beach, picked up a random human leg bone, and romped back toward me. She dropped the bone at my feet and waited for me to throw it. Um, maybe later, girl. I stared at the dark waters, trying to get up my nerve. So, Nico, how do we do this? We have to go inside the gates first, he said. But the river's right here. I have to get something, he said. It's the only way. He marched off without waiting. I frowned. Nico hadn't mentioned anything about going inside the gates, but now that we were here, I didn't know what else to do. Reluctantly, I followed him down the beach toward the big black gates. Lines of the dead stood outside waiting to get in. It must have been a heavy day for funerals because even the easy death line was backed up. Woof! Mrs. O'Leary said. Before I could stop her, she bounded toward the security checkpoint. Cerberus, the guard dog of Hades, appeared out of the gloom. A three-headed Rottweiler so big he made Mrs. O'Leary look like a toy poodle. Cerberus was half-transparent, so he's really hard to see unless he's close enough to kill you. But he acted like he didn't care about us. He was too busy saying hello to Mrs. O'Leary. Mrs. O'Leary, no! I shouted at her. Don't sniff! Oh, man. Nico smiled. Then he looked at me and his expression turned all serious again, like he remembered something unpleasant. Come on, they won't give us any trouble in the line. You're with me. I didn't like it, but we slipped through the security ghouls and into the fields of Asphodel. I had to whistle for Mrs. O'Leary three times before she left Cerberus alone and ran after us. We hiked over black fields of grass dotted with black poplar trees. If I really died in a few days like the prophecy said, I might end up here forever, but I tried not to think about that. Nico trudged ahead, bringing us closer and closer to the palace of Hades. Hey, I said, we're inside the gates already. Where are we? Mrs. O'Leary growled. A shadow appeared overhead, something dark, cold, and stinking of death. It swooped down and landed in the top of a poplar tree. Unfortunately, I recognized her. She had a shriveled face, a horrible blue knit hat, and a crumpled velvet dress. Leathery bat wings sprang from her back. Her feet had sharp talons, and her brass-clawed hands, she she held a flaming whip and a paisley handbag. Mrs. Dodds, I said. She bared her fangs. Welcome back, honey. Her two sisters, the other Furies, swooped down and settled next to her in the the branches of the poplar. You know Electo? Nico asked me. If you mean the hag in the middle, middle, yeah, I said. She was my math teacher. Nico nodded like this didn't surprise him. He looked up at the Furies and took a deep breath. I've done what my father asked. Take us to the palace. I tensed. Wait a second, Nico, what do you... I'm afraid this is my new lead, Percy. My father promised me information about my family, but he wants to see you before we try the river. I'm sorry. You tricked me? I was so mad I couldn't think. I lunged at them, but the Furies were fast. Two of them swooped down and plucked me up by the arms. My sword fell out of my hand, and before I knew it, I was dangling 60 feet in the air. Oh, don't struggle, honey. My old math teacher cackled in my ear. I'd hate to drop you. Mrs. O'Leary barked angrily and jumped, trying to reach me, but we were too high. Tell Mrs. O'Leary to behave, Nico warned. He was hovering near me in the clutches of the third fury. I don't want her to get hurt, Percy. My father is waiting. He just wants to talk. 
I wanted to tell Mrs. O'Leary to attack Nico, but it wouldn't have done any good. And Nico was right about one thing. My dog could get hurt if she tried to pick a fight with the Furies. I gritted my teeth. Mrs. O'Leary, down! It's okay, girl. She whimpered and turned in circles, looking at me. All right, traitor, I growled at Nico. You've got your prize. Take me to the stupid palace. Electo dropped me like a sack of turnips in the middle of the palace garden. It was beautiful in a creepy way. Skeletal white trees grew from marble basins. basins. Flower beds overflowed with golden plants and gemstones. A pair of thrones, one bone and one silver, sat on the balcony with a view of the fields of asphodel. It would have been a nice place to spend a Saturday morning except for the sulfurous smell and the cries of tortured souls in the, be- in the distance. Skeletal warriors guarded the only exit. They wore tattered U.S. Army des- des- desert combat fatigues and carried M16- uh, M16s. The third fury deposited Nico next to me. Then all three of them settled on, to- on the top of the skeletal throne. I resisted the urge to strangle Nico. They'd only stop me. I'd have to wait for my revenge. I stared at the empty thrones, waiting for something to happen. Then the air shimmered. Three figures appeared, Hades and Persephone, on their thrones, and an older woman standing between them. They seemed to be in the middle of an argument. Told you he was a bum, the older woman said. Mother, Persephone replied. We have visitors, Hades barked. Please, Hades. One of my least favorite gods smoothed his black robes, which were filled with the terrified faces of the damned. He had pale skin and the intense eyes of a madman. Percy Jackson, he said with satisfaction. At last. Queen Persephone, studying me curiously. I'd seen her once before in the winter, but now in the summer she looked like a totally different goddess. She had lustrous black hair and warm brown eyes. Her dress shimmered with colors. Flower patterns in the fabric changed and bloomed. Roses, tulips, honeysuckle. The woman standing between them was obviously Persephone's mother. She had the same hair and eyes, but looked older and sterner. Her dress was golden, the color of a wheat field. Her hair was woven with dried grasses, so it reminded me of a wicked wicker basket. I figured if someone lit a match next to her, she'd be in serious trouble. Hmm. The older woman said, Demigods, just what we need. Next to me, Nico knelt. I wish I had my sword so I could cut his stupid head off. Unfortunately, Riptide was still on the field somewhere. Father, Nico said, I've done as you asked. Took you long enough, Hades grumbled. Your sister would have done a better job. Nico lowered his head. If I hadn't been so mad at the little creep, I might have felt sorry for him. I glanced up at the god of the dead. What do you want, Hades? To talk, of course. The god twisted his mouth in a cruel smile. Didn't Nico tell you? So this whole quest was a lie. Nico brought me down here to get me killed. Oh no, Hades said. I'm afraid Nico was quite sincere about wanting to help you. The boy is as honest as he is dense. I simply convinced him to take a small detour and bring you here for first. Father, Nico said. You promised that Percy would not be harmed. You said if I brought him, you would tell me about my past. About my mother. Queen Persephone sighed dramatically. Can we please not talk about that woman in my presence? I'm sorry, my dove, Hades said. I had to promise the boy something. The older boy harumphed. I warned you, daughter. This scoundrel Hades is no good. 
You could have married the dog god of doctors or the god of lawyers, but no, you had to eat the pomegranate, mother, and get stuck in the underworld. Mother, please. And here it is, August. And do you come home like you're supposed to? Do you ever think about your poor, lonely mother? Demeter, he shouted. That is enough. You are a guest in my house. Oh, a house, is it? She said. You call this dump a house? Make my daughter live in this dark, damp. I told you, Hades said, grinding his teeth. There's a war in the world above. You and Persephone are better off here with me. Excuse me, I broke in. But if you're going to kill me, can you just get on with it? All three gods looked at me. Well, this one has an attitude, Demeter observed. Indeed, Hades agreed. I'd love to kill him. Father, Nico said, you promised. Husband, we talked about this, Persephone chided. You can't go around incinerating every hero. Besides, he's brave. I like that. Hades rolled his eyes. You like that Orpheus fellow too. Look how well that, look how well that turned out. Let me kill him, just a little bit. Father, you promised, Nico said. You said you only wanted to talk to him. You said if I brought him, you'd explain. Hades glowered, smoothing the folds of his robes. And so I shall. Your mother, what can I tell you? She was a wonderful woman. She, he glanced uncomfortably at Persephone. Forgive me, my dear. I mean, for a mortal, of course. Her name was Maria D'Angelo. She was from Venice. Venice, But her father was a diplomat in Washington, D.C. That's where I met her. When you and your sister were young, it was a bad time to be children of Hades. World War II was brewing. A few of my... Uh, other children were was leading the losing side. I thought it was best to put you two out of harm's way. That's why you hit us in the Lotus Casino? Hades shrugged. You didn't age. You didn't realize time was passing. I, was, I waited for the right time to bring you out. But what happened to our mother? Why don't I remember her? Not important. Hades snapped. What? Of course it's important. And you had other children. Why were we the only ones who were sent away? And who was the lawyer who got us out? Hades grit his teeth. You would do well to listen more and talk less, boy. As for the lawyer. Hades snapped his fingers. On top of his throne, the fury Electo began to change until she was a middle-aged man in a pinstriped suit with a briefcase. She, he, looked strange, looked strange crouching at Hades' shoulder. You, Nico said. The fury cackled. I do lawyers and teachers very well. Nico was trembling. But why did you free us from the casino? You know why, Hades said. This idiot son of Poseidon Kim cannot be allowed to be the child of the prophecy. I plucked a ruby off the nearest plant and threw it at Hades. It sank harmlessly into his robe. You should be helping Olympus, I said. All the other gods are fighting Typhon and you're just sitting here, waiting things out. Hades finished. Yes, that's correct. When's the last time Olympus ever helped me, half-blood? When's the last time a child of mine was ever welcomed as a hero? Bah! Why should I rush out and help them? I'll stay here with my forces intact. And when Kronos comes after you? Let him try. He'll be weakened and my son here, Nico. Hades looked at him with distaste. Well, he's not much now, but I'll, I'll grant you. It would have been better if Bianca had lived, but give him four more years of training. We can hold out that long, surely. Nico will turn 16, as the prophecy says, and then he will make the decision that will save the world, and I will be king of the gods. You're crazy, I said. 
Kronos will crush you right after he finishes pulverizing Olympus. Hades spread his hands. Well, you'll get a a chance to find out, Half-Blood, because you'll be waiting out this war in my dungeons. No, Nico said. Father, that wasn't our agreement, and you haven't told me everything. I've told you all you need to know, Hades said. As for our agreement, I spoke with Jackson. I did not harm him. You got your information. If you had wanted a better deal, you you should have made me swear on the sticks. Now go to your room. He waved his hand, and Nico vanished. The boy needs to eat more. Demeter grumbled. He's too skinny. He needs more cereal. Persephone rolled her eyes. Mother, enough with the cereal. My lord, Hades, are you sure we can't let this hero go? Or girl or go? He's awfully brave. No, my dear. I've spared his life. That's enough. I was sure she was going to stand up for me, but the brave, beautiful Persephone was going to get me out of this. She shrugged indifferently. Fine. What's for breakfast? I'm starving. Cereal, Demeter said. Mother! The two women disappeared in a swirl of flowers and wheat. Don't feel too bad, Percy Jackson, Hades said. My ghost can keep me well informed of Kronos' plans. I can assure you that you had no chance to stop him in time. By tonight, it will be too late for your precious Mount Olympus. The trap will be sprung. What trap? I demanded. If you know about it, do something. At least tell me about the other gods. At least tell the other gods. Hades Hades smiled. You are spirited, I'll give you credit for that. Have fun in my dungeon. We'll check on you again in, oh, 50, 60 years. And that is the end of chapter 7. We'll have to see if Percy escapes this dungeon and is able to help the camp and the gods. And, yeah, Hades having that kind of plan doesn't really surprise me because if we see in the previous books, Hades Hades was quick to assume things. So let's just hope Percy gets out of the dungeon and is able to survive the dungeon and get out and be able to save both Olympus and possibly help fight Typhon. But we will find out if he does escape in the next chapter, chapter 8. Right after this break, we will read chapter 8, I Take the Worst Bath Ever. And we are back from the ads, and now we'll read Chapter 8, I Take the Worst Bath Ever. My sword reappeared in my pocket. Yeah, great timing. Now I could attack the walls all I wanted. My cell had no bars, no windows, not even a door. The skeletal guard shoved me straight through a wall, and it became solid behind me. I wasn't sure if the room was airtight. Probably Hades' dungeon was meant for dead people, and they don't breathe. So forget 50 or 60 years, I'd be dead in 50 or 60 minutes. Meanwhile, if Hades wasn't lying, some big trap was going to be sprung in New York by the end of the day, and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. I sat on the cold floor, feeling miserable. I don't remember dozing off. Then again, it must have been about 7 in the morning mortal time, and I had been through a lot. I dreamed I was on the porch of Rachel's beach house in St. Thomas. The sun was rising over the Caribbean. Dozens of wooded islands dotted the sea, and white sails cut across the water. The smell of salt air made me wonder if I would ever see the ocean again. Rachel's parents sat on the patio table while a personal chef fixed some omelets. Mr. Dare was dressed in a white linen suit. He was reading the Wall Street Journal. 
The lady across the table was probably Mrs. Deer, though all I could see of her were hot pink fingernails in the cover of Condé Nast Traveler. Why'd she be reading about vacations while she was on vacation? I wasn't sure. Rachel stood on the po- at the porch, railing inside. She wore Bermuda shorts and her Van Gogh t-shirt. Yeah, Rachel was trying to teach me about art, but don't get too impressed. I only remembered the dude's name because he cut, her, cut his ear off. I wondered if she was thinking about me, and how much it sucked that I wasn't with them on vacation. I know that's what I was thinking. Then the scene changed. I was in St. Louis, standing downtown under the arch. I'd been there before. In fact, I'd almost fallen to my death there before. Over the city, a thunderstorm boiled. A wall of absolute black with lightning streaking streaking across the sky. A few blocks away, swarms of emergency vehicles gathered with their lights flashing. A column of dust rose from a mound of rubble, which I realized was a collapsed skyscraper. A nearby reporter was yelling into her microphone. Officials are describing this as a structural failure, Dan, though no one seems to know if it it is related to the storm conditions. Wind whipped her hair. The temperatures were dropping rapidly, like 10 degrees just since I'd been standing there. Thankfully, the building had been abandoned for demolition, she said, but police have evacuated all nearby buildings for fear the collapse might trigger. She faltered as a mighty groan cut through the sky. A blast of lightning hit the center of the darkness. The entire city shook. The air glowed and every hair on my body stood up. The blast was so powerful I knew it could only be one thing. Zeus's master bolt. It should have vaporized its target, but the dark cloud only staggered backward. A smoky fist appeared out of the clouds. It smashed another tower, and and the whole thing collapsed like children's blocks. The reporter screamed. People ran through the streets. Emergency lights flashed. I saw a streak of silver in the the sky. A chariot pulled by reindeer, but it wasn't Santa Claus driving. It was Artemis, ridding the storm, shooting shafts of moonlight into the darkness. A fiery golden comet crossed her path. Maybe her brother Apollo. One thing was clear. Typhon had made it to the Mississippi River. He was halfway across the U.S., leaving destruction in his wake. And the gods were barely slowing him down. The mountain of darkness loomed over above me. A foot the size of Yankee Stadium was about to smash me when a voice hissed, Percy! I lunged out blindly. Before I was fully awake, I had Nico pinned to the floor of the cell with the edge of my sword at his throat. What to rescue? He choked. Anger woke me up fast. Oh yeah? And why should I trust you? No choice? He gagged. I wished he hadn't said something logical like that. I let him go. Nico curled into a ball and made retching sounds while his throat recovered. Finally, he got to his feet, eyeing my sword warily. His own blade was sheathed. I suppose if he wanted to kill me, he could have done it while I slept. Still, I didn't trust him. We have to get out of here, he said. Why, I said. Does your dad want to talk to me again? He winced. Percy, I swear on the river sticks, I didn't know what he was planning. You know what your dad is like. He tricked me. He promised... Nico held up his hands. Look, right now we need to leave. I put the guards to sleep, but it won't last. I wanted to strangle him again. Unfortunately, he was right. We didn't have time to argue, and I couldn't escape on my own. He pointed at the wall. A whole section vanished, revealing a corridor. Come on, Nico said, led the way. I wished I I had Annabeth's invisibility hat, but as it turned out, I didn't need it. Every time we came to a skeleton guard, Nico just pointed at it, and his glowing eyes dimmed. 
Unfortunately, the more Nico did, the more tired he seemed. We walked through a maze of corridors filled with guards. By the time we reached a kitchen staff with skeletal cooks and servants, it was practically carrying Nico. He managed to put all the dead to sleep, but nearly passed out himself. I dragged him out of the servant's entrance and into the fields of asphodel. I almost felt relieved until I heard the sound of bronze gongs high in the castle. Alarms, Nico murmured sleepily. What do we do? He yawned, then frowned like he was trying to remember. Ooh, how about run? Riding with the drowsy child of Hades was more like doing a three-legged race with a life-size ragdoll. I lunged him along, holding my sword in front of me. The spirits of the dead made way like the celestial bronze was a blazing fire. The sound of gongs rolled across the fields. Ahead loomed the walls of Erebos, but the longer we walked, the farther away they seemed. I was about to collapse from exhaustion when I heard a familiar woof. Mrs. O'Leary bounded out of nowhere and ran circles around us, ready to play. Good girl, I said. Can you give us a ride to the sticks? The word sticks got her excited. She probably thought I meant sticks. She jumped a few times, chasing her tail just to teach it who was boss, and then calmed down enough for me to push Nico onto her back. I climbed aboard, and she raced toward the gates. She leaped straight over the easy death line, sending guards sprawling and causing more alarms to blare. Cerebus barked, but he sounded more excited than angry, like, can I play too? Fortunately, he didn't follow us, and Mrs. O'Leary kept running. She didn't stop until we were far upriver and the fires of Erebos had disappeared in the murk. Nico slid off in Mrs. O'Leary's back and crumpled in a heap on the black sand. I took out a square of of ambrosia, part of the emergency god food I always kept with me. It was a little bashed up, but Nico chewed it. Ugh, he mumbled. Better. Your your powers drain you too much, I noticed. He nodded sleepily. With great power... Comes great need to take a nap. Wake me up or later. Whoa, zombie dude. I caught him before he could pass out again. We're at the river. You need to tell me what to do. I fed him the last of my ambrosia, which was a little dangerous. The stuff can heal demigods, but it can also burn us to ashes if we eat too much. Fortunately, he seemed to do the trick. Nico shook his head a few times and struggled to his feet. My father will be coming soon. We should hurry, he said. The river sticks current swirled at strange objects broken toys, ripped up college diplomas, wilted homecoming corsages, all the dreams people had thrown away as they passed from life into death. Looking at the black water, I could think about three million places I'd rather swim. So, I just jump in? You have to prepare yourself first, Nico said, or the river will destroy you. It will burn away your body and soul. Sounds fun, I muttered. This is no joke, Nico warned. There's only one way to stay anchored to your mortal life. You have to... He glanced behind me and his eyes widened. I turned and found myself face to face with a Greek warrior. For a second, I thought he was Ares because this guy looked exactly like the god of war. Tall and buff with a cruel... With a cruel scarred face and closely shaved black hair. He wore a white tunic and bronze armor. He wore held a plumed war helm under his arm, but his eyes were human. Pale green like a shallow, shallow sea and a bloody arrow stuck out of a stuck... Stuck out of his left calf just above the ankle. I stunk at Greek names, but even I knew the greatest warrior of all time, who had died from a wounded heel. Achilles, I said. Achilles, I said. The ghost nodded. I warned the other one not to follow my path. Now I will warn you. Luke? You spoke with Luke? 
Do not do this, he said. It will make you powerful, but it will also make you weak. Your prowess in combat will be beyond any mortal, but your weakness, your failings will increase as well. You mean I'll have a bad heel? I said. Couldn't I just, like, wear something besides sandals? No offense. He stared down at his bloody foot. The heel is only my physical weakness, demigod. My mother, Thetis, held me there when she dipped me in the sticks. What really killed me was my own arrogance. Beware. Turn back. He meant it. I could hear the regret and bitterness in his voice. He was honestly trying to save me from from a terrible fate. Then again, Luke had been here, and he hadn't turned back. That's why Luke had been able to host the spirit of Kronos without his body disintegrating. This is how he'd prepared himself, to, uh, himself, and why he seemed impossible to kill. He had bathed in the river Styx and taken on the powers of the greatest mortal hero, Achilles. He was invincible. I have to, I said. I, otherwise, I don't stand a chance. Achilles lowered his head. Let the gods witness I tried, hero. If you must do this, concentrate on your moral point. Imagine one spot on your body that will remain vulnerable. This is the point where your soul will anchor your body to the world. It will be your greatest weakness, but also your only hope. No man may be completely invulnerable. Lose sight of what keeps you mortal, and the river sticks will burn burn you to ashes. You will cease to exist. I don't suppose you could tell me Luke's mortal point. He scowled. Prepare yourself, foolish boy. Whether your servants survive this or not, you have sealed your doom. With that happy thought, he vanished. Percy, Nico said. Maybe he's right. This was your idea. I know, but now that we're here, just wait on the shore. If anything happens to me, well, maybe Hades will get his wish, and you'll be the child of the prophecy after all. He didn't look pleased about that, but I didn't care. Before I could change my mind, I concentrated on the small of my back. A tiny point just opposite my navel. It was well defended when I wore my armor. It would be hard to hit by accident, and few enemies would aim for it on purpose. No place was perfect, but this seemed right to me, and a lot more dignified than, like, my armpit or something. I pictured a string, a bungee cord connecting me to the world from the small of my back, and I stepped into the river. Imagine jumping into a pit of boiling acid. Now multiply that pain times 50. You still won't be close to understanding what it felt like to swim in the sticks. I planned to walk in slow and courageous like a real hero. As soon as the water touched my legs, my muscles turned to jelly and I fell face first into the current. I submerged completely. For the first time in my life, I couldn't breathe underwater. I finally understood the panic of drowning. Every nerve in my body burned. I was dissolving in the water. I saw faces, Rachel, Grover, Tyson, my mother, but they faded as soon as they appeared. Percy, my mom said, I give you my blessing. Be safe, brother, Tyson pleaded. Enchiladas, Grover said. I wasn't sure where that came from, but it didn't seem to help much. I was losing the fight. The pain was too much. My hands and feet were melting into the water. My soul was being ripped from my body. I couldn't remember who I was. The pain of Kronos' scythe had been nothing compared to this. The cord, a familiar voice said. Remember your lifeline, dummy. Suddenly, there was a tug in my lower back. The current pulled at me, but it wasn't carrying me away anymore. I, I imagined the string in my back, keeping me tied to the shore. Hold on, seaweed brain. It was Annabeth's voice, much clearer now. You're not getting away from me that easily. The cord strengthened. I could see Annabeth now, standing barefoot above me on the canoe lake pier. I'd fallen out of my canoe. That was it. She was reaching out her hand to haul me up, and she was trying not to laugh. She wore her orange camp t-shirt and jeans. 
Her hair was tucked up in her Yankees cap, which was strange because that should have made her invisible. You are such an idiot sometimes, she smiled. Come on, take my hand. Memories came flooding back to me, sharper and more colorful. I stopped dissolving. My name was Percy Jackson. I reached up and took Annabeth's hand. Suddenly, I burst out of the river. I collapsed on the sand and Nico scrambled back in surprise. Are you okay? He stammered. Your skin! Oh, gods, you're hurt! My arms were bright red. I felt like every inch of my body had been broiled over a slow flame. I looked around for Annabeth, though I knew she wasn't here. It seemed so real. I'm fine, I think. The color of my skin turned back to normal. The pain subsided. Mrs. O'Leary came up and sniffed me with concern. Apparently, I smelled really interesting. Do you feel stronger? Nico asked. Before I could decide what I felt, a voice boomed. There! An army of the dead marched toward us. A hundred skeletal Roman legionnaires led the way with shields and spears. Behind them came an equal number of British redcoats with bayonets fixed. In the middle of the host, Hades himself rode a black and gold chariot pulled by nightmare horses, their eyes and manes smoldering with fire. You will not escape me this time, Percy Jackson, Hades bellowed. Destroy him! Father, no! Nico shouted, but it was too late. The front line of Roman zombies lowered their spears and advanced. Mrs. O'Leary growled and got ready to pounce. Maybe that's what set me off. I didn't want them hurting my dog. Plus, I was tired of Hades being a big bully. If I was going to die, I might as well go down fighting. I yelled and the river sticks exploded. A black tidal wave smashed into the legionnaires. Spears and shields flew everywhere. Roman zombies began to dissolve, smoke coming off their bronze helmets. The redcoats layered their bayonets, but I didn't wait for them. I charged. It was the stupidest thing I was I ever done. A hundred muskets fired at me, point blank. All of them missed. I crashed into the line and started hacking with Riptide. Bayonets jabbed, swords slashed, guns reloaded and fired. Nothing touched me. I rolled through the ranks, slashing redcoats to dust, one after the other. My, wine, my mind went on autopilot. Stab, dodge, cut, deflect, roll. Riptide was no longer a sword. It was an arc of pure destruction. I broke through the enemy line and leaped into the black chariot. Hades raised his staff. A bolt of dark energy shot toward me, but I deflected off my blade and slammed into him. The god and I both tumbled out of the chariot. The next thing I knew, my knee was playing on Hades' chest. I was holding the collar of his ro- royal robes in one fist, and the, and the tip of my sword was poised right over his face. Silence. The army did nothing to defend their master. I glanced back and realized why. There was nothing left of them but weapons in the sand and piles of smoking, empty uniforms. I destroyed them all. Hades swallowed. Now Jackson, listen here. He was immortal. There was no way I could kill him. But gods can be wounded. I knew that firsthand and I figured a sword in the face wouldn't feel too good. Just because I'm a nice person, I I snarled, I'll let you go. But first, tell me about that trap. Hades melted into nothing, leaving me holding empty curled black robes. I cursed and got to my feet, breathing heavily. Now that the danger was over, I realized how tired I was. Every muscle in my body ached. I looked down at my clothes. They were slashed to pieces and full of bullet holes. But I was fine. Not a mark on me. Nico's mouth hung open. You just... With a sword... You just... I think the river thing worked, I said. 
Oh, gee, she said, he said sarcastically. You think? Mrs. O'Leary barked happily and wagged her tail. She bounded around, sniffing empty uniforms and hunting for bones. I lifted Hades' robe. I could still see the tormented faces shimmering in the fabric. I walked to the edge of the river. Be free. I dropped the robe in the water and watched as it swirled away, dissolving in the current. Go back to your father, I told Nico. Tell him he, ho- he owes me for letting him go. Find out what's going to happen to Mount Olympus and convince him to help. Nico stared at me. I can't. He'll hate me now. I mean, even more. You have to, I said. You owe me, too. His ears turned red. Percy, I told you I was sorry. Please, let me come with you. I want to fight. You'll be more help down here. You mean you don't trust me anymore, he said miserably. I didn't answer. I didn't know what I meant. I was too stunned by what I'd just done in battle to think clearly. Just go back to your father, I said, trying not to sound too harsh. Work on him. You're the only person who might be able to get him to listen. That's a depressing thought. Nico sighed. All right. I'll do my best. Besides, he's still hiding something from me about my mom. Maybe I can find out what. Good luck. Now, Mrs. O'Leary, you have to go. Where? Nico said. I looked at the cave entrance and thought about the long climb back to the world of the living. To get this war started. It's time I found Luke. And that is the end of chapter 8. Whoa, that was an interesting chapter. And I'm glad that Percy didn't melt in the river sticks and came out stronger and is now capable of fighting against Kronos slash Luke. So next week, we will read chapters 9 and 10 and see what happens to Percy and if he possibly goes against Kronos in a 1v1 battle. But until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom, and I hope you all have a great rest of the week.